We express our praise and gratitude to Allah Ta'ala. We seek blessings on the Prophet, peace be upon him. Continuing, what is Islam? We are, what page is this, 71? Yeah. Uh, on the section that begins, in addressing the question. All right, who's reading? In addressing the question of how to conceptualize Islam as a unity in light of diversity, the purpose of raising and elaborating the foregoing six exemplary questions has been threefold. First, to demonstrate to the reader that in relation to Islam, we are actually talking not so much about conceptualizing unity in the face of diversity, but rather about conceptualizing unity in the face of outright contradiction. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a very important distinction, right? Like when we looked at the example, especially of alcohol, it's outright contradiction. This is Islam and that's Islam, so what is Islam then? As such, keen diagnostic attention needs to be paid to the prolific scale and definitive import of the phenomenon of internal contradiction to the constitution of the human and historical phenomenon of Islam. Of course, I am not suggesting that other human and historical phenomena are not characterized by contradiction. Indeed, attending to contradiction and conceptualizing Islam might prove instructive for the study of other phenomena that display contradiction on a similar or lesser scale. Mm -hmm. um, second, it has been to reorient the historical consciousness of the reader to awareness of the fact that these contradictory claims by Muslims about the normative constitution of Islam were claims made not on the social and political and intellectual margins of the Muslim of the Muslims' discourses about Islam, but rather at the very social and political and intellectual center of Muslims' discourses about Islam, and that as such they cannot be accounted for by the reflexive instance, insistence that some of these discursive claims, such as law, somehow possess an inherently greater agency of normativity in constituting Islam than do others, such as the mm -hmm. Sufi philosophical amalgam. All right, so anybody want to try to translate the second paragraph? You said, mm, so that yeah. means... Yeah. You were really... Is, is he... I was ready to follow it up with an explanation. <laughs> is he saying that any... So that none of these sort of claims about what Islam is can sort of... Um, they can say they have sort of a greater value, I guess, in terms of normative? Yeah. <clears throat> that, okay, the, the common view is that law is the, the big, most central field of Islam. But... He's saying, if you look at Islamic history, you know, the Sufis are very much just as much at the center, or just as normative. Um, and then these other issues related to those questions are not the margins of Islam, but they're very much at the center. I don't know how correct that part is. Um, that, uh, uh, because again, the point we were making about the drinking is that I think that applies more to leadership. Um, which, you can still argue, is very, very influential. I mean, it's right there on the coin. Okay, let's continue. Third. Third, it has been to plant the seed in the mind of the reader that these contradictions cannot meaningfully be understood, as they generally are, by separating them out as differences between the religious and cultural, or religious and secular, spheres of something called Islam, with integral Islam obtaining in a somehow self-evidently religious space. After all, is the wine cup of Jahangir a religious, a cultural, or a secular object? Remember, this, uh, mm. this wine cup had like uh, religious inscriptions on it. So is it a religious object or is it a secular object? Okay. Rather, I suggest that these contradictions call for, indeed demand and require, the suspension of these received categories of distinction in order to reconceptualize Islam as a human and historical phenomenon 
in new terms which map meaningfully onto the import of the prolific scale and nature of the contradictory normative claims made in history by Muslims about what is Islam. Mm -hmm. So what is this paragraph about? Did the sound not going to go? So yeah. he's just saying we need uh, sort of new categories yeah. to talk about these, uh, these phenomena because the ones we have now, you know, lead us to a lot of contradictions, right? Mm -hmm. Because if we say this is religious, then what about this thing, which kind of contradicts it? Or if you say mm -hmm. it's secular, what about this thing, which is kind mm -hmm. of, yeah. Mm -hmm. All right, let's continue. I should like to emphasize that the examples presented in the six foregoing questions are not trivial or marginal. Rather, they highlight historical phenomena that have been, for long periods of history, especially central to and definitively characteristic of a vast temporal, geographical, and demographic swath of societies of real Muslim people. Exemplarily, all of the ideas, values, and behaviors listed above were, in the rough period 1350 to 1850, endemic to the societies living in the vast region extending from the Balkans through Anatolia, Iran, and Central Asia, down and across Afghanistan, and North India to the Bay of Bengal. It has long been recognized that the societies of the geographical, temporal, and demographic space that I have been calling the Balkans to Bengal complex, in spite of local variations in language and ethnicity and creed, comprise a relatively distinct and integrated world, sometimes termed a civilization or a cultural zone within Islamic civilization. For example, Robert Canfield has noted, across the territories of Western, Central, and South Asia, there was a remarkable similarity in culture, particularly among elite classes. The wealthy and powerful of the empires affected similar manners and customs, wore similar styles of dress, and enjoyed much the same literature and graphic arts. In building their palaces, mosques, and mausoleums, rulers competed for the services of the same great artisans, artists, and scholars, whose eminence enhanced their reputations. Although the populations across the vast region were rent by conflicting allegiances to sect, tribal, coalition, and ethnic affiliation, and spoke many different languages, people on many levels of the society had similar notions about the ground rules of cooperation and dispute and in other ways shared a number of common institutions, arts, knowledge, customs, and rituals. These similarities of cultural style were perpetuated by poets, artists, architectures, artisans, jurists, and scholars, who maintained relations among their peers in the far-flung cities of the Turco-Persian -Per Islamicate Ecumen yeah. from Istanbul to Delhi. Okay. That last point of this ecumeny, so like when we speak of ecumenical Christianity, what are we saying? It's basically, uh, it's like a, a church that's trying to uh, reach out to all the denominations. And so, mm -hmm. so this is a term that also comes from, from Marshall Hodgson, one of the big historians of Islam, although he uses a different spelling, referring to this particular part of the world that has like everything in it, which is sort of that region from, from Turkey into a little bit of Central Asia. It's like you have a mixture of all the different, different peoples there. And so, yeah, he's saying that <clears throat> these are, uh, if you go across the elite cultures in all these different regions, you see these same uh, practices. Yeah. This, like, hits particularly home for me because he said the rulers shared the same, like, artisans and artists. And um, my family, from my mom's side, they traced their ancestry to Iraq and they said really? that our ancestor, like, I don't know, about three, four hundred years ago, was like a civic planner of some sort. Mm. And he was brought over to Hyderabad, to India. Uh, either, I don't know either by the Nizams or whatever, you know, that kingdom, or yeah. the ones before them. Uh, I think they're the 
uh, Holy Qutubsha dynasty. Mm-hmm. He was brought over to help like design some stuff in the city. And as a uh, sort of a gift for doing that, he got a bunch of land in the outskirts of Hyderabad. Mm-hmm. And our family still owns a bunch of that land. So we can trace, you know, our lineage wow. back to him. So that, like, that hit, like, because it's like, you know, like, you you kind of can tell if you look at history how things are shared, you know, as far as, like, especially art and aesthetic. Mm-hmm. But, like, I was like, oh, my God, like, that's exactly what my, you mm-hmm. know, my mom was trying to tell me or whatever. Yeah. He's like, no, I can prove it. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting when you think about even, like, women who are obsessed with, like, different brands of purses. Like, all across the world, everyone wants, like... Birkenbag or Prada, and so like a hundred years from now, like will they think, oh, this is the epitome, or it's just like that was the great art that like, will. all the elite want? Yeah. Well, there's also, I mean, today, like, it is. There's sort of we talk about with like film or other things. There is like a standard of mm-hmm. like what's in terms of art and mm-hmm. poetry, like this is seen as the the highest form. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah. Another question, uh, or a question I have about this is, um. Reading this book, I'm kind of reminded of, um, I don't know if you ever read a while ago uh, by that, I think he was like an evolutionary biologist or something, Jared Diamond, he wrote that book, Guns, Germs, and Steel, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. and so he had this sort of overarching theory about why some nations, you know, progressed and why some didn't, and I think I remember hearing from someone who's very much very interested in history that he said there were a lot of very serious critiques of that book by historians. Is that sort of similar with this book because he seems he seems to be sort of like taking a very large sort of swath of time and making certain generalizations about it. Uh, I don't know how many people have actually ever finished this book uh, uh, for, that, for, for that critique to, to happen. Yeah. Um, at some point there will be responses, yeah. but this book is, is a zillion pages, so it'll probably be a long time before there are. Uh, I mean, I'm wondering if anyone's actually ever finished this book. Yeah, it's like, I don't know if it's that, what's that concept when you, when you like, learn of something and it just keeps appearing? Like, I, I've been noticing his name pop up, and a lot of people, I don't know. Put oh, them, like, I know what you're talking about. Something kind of lends. Yeah, yeah, like, or a recognition, like. But, I don't, uh, but, it's like an but you know, like, if, if you, like, if you buy a car, you, or you're into that car, you just start seeing it everywhere. But anyway, like, the point I was trying to make was, like, it. In the Islamic sort of academic realm, a lot of people are talking about his book, uh, not this one. Uh, he has another book, like Before Orthodoxy or something like that. Or Ibn Taymiyyah, or one on Satanic Verses. I think so. Mm-hmm. And uh, like a lot of few people have been doing commentary on it, so I was wondering if there was something similar from along that lens about it. Mean, that book was published more ago, literally like two months ago. Oh, that one. Whoa. Although his dis- it's his dissertation, oh. the rewriting of his dissertation, oh. dissertations from like ten years ago. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe you can read that next, if we ever finish this. We'll be the first to finish this. Exactly. And we'll sure. Let's we'll all re- write our reviews. And yours is like, everyone's a heresy. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I don't <laughs> want that on recording. Yeah. Too late. <laughs> okay, that was Adnan Ansari, graduated from Loyola University, Chicago. Okay, anyway, um, you want to continue, please? I should like to encourage and reorient the reader to conceive of these interconnections of the Balkans to Bengal complex, not so much in terms of a remarkable similarity in culture, as in terms of a common paradigm of Islamic life and thought by which Muslims and others imagined, conceptualized, valorized, articulated, and gave mutually communicable meaning to their lives in terms of Islam. This common paradigm of the Balkans to Bengal complex is readily manifest and articulated through a critically overlapping discursive canon 
embedded in which is a conceptual vocabulary, an array of expressive motifs, and other mutually held and or mutually translatable modes of valorization and self-articulation. Okay, so what is he saying in this paragraph? Um, We're all rereading it to understand what Yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> So I'm just saying there's just a lot of common ideas and thought mm -hmm. um, in, you know, similar sort of aspirations and um, I get what's the, whatever the opposite of that is where, you know, whatever you're sort of against type of thing. Well, you said the ways of expressing and articulating your beliefs were common, like, mm -hmm. yeah. through that area. So, like, your actions, your words, the, mm -hmm. even the vocabulary used to describe things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like the, the discursive canon, you know, every, everything sort of is a shared thing. Okay. Rose, continue. The Balkan Stavangal complex constitutes what we might usefully conceive of as a post-formative stage and condition in the history of societies of Muslims, a stage at which earlier foundational elements are brought together in a capacious, capacious? Mm -hmm. a productive historical synthesis that in turn provides a manifest yet stable ingrediential base for a further striking forth in a dynamic variety of trajectories of being Muslim. Simple sentence. <laughs> so so uh, this part that's in the telex, a post-formative stage, generally the period that's considered to be the formative stage of Islam is a period from, you know, the life of the Prophet, peace be upon him, but especially around 700 to about the year 900, or some people take to 1,000. That's looked at as the formative stage. That's where you know, Sunni Islam really, really gets articulated. Shia Islam really gets articulated. Then post-formative will be then, you know, what happens from there. Mm -hmm. Right? And that's the, that's the era that he's uh, really speaking about, which he says, uh, I think, 1350 to 1850. So basically, the, the rise of the Ottomans until colonization. Um, okay. Uh, so we'll try to translate that sentence. Okay. Balkans to Bengal complex constitutes what we might usefully conceive of as a post-formative stage and condition in the history of societies of Muslims, a stage at which earlier foundational elements are brought together in capacious and productive historical synthesis that, in turn, provides a maniplex yet stable ingrediential base for further striking forth in a dynamic variety of trajectories of being Muslim. It's a good base for them to, you know, do, like, you know, like have very differing, but also very sort of similar in terms of the thread shit they shared um, ideas of, uh, and identities of being Muslim, you know, like like the, like what he presented, they all sort of derive, quote-unquote, their truths from the same sort of sources, mm -hmm. but, you know, they're very, very different mm -hmm. uh, in terms of where they end up in terms of the reality and the thought of it. But all of them are, you know, like, like Ibn Sina while he's drinking and also you know, using uh, sort of scripture to sort of, you know, uh, talk about why he's, you know, so-and-so in terms of his faith uh, would be, you know, is considered a heretic by some folks, right? But they both use the same sources to mm -hmm. do that. Yeah, so in that formative uh, uh, stage, Islam is being made into Islam, right? And so now imagine for them Islam has been formed, and from there it's all going into all these different uh, directions. So would the, what would sort of the experience of Islam be before that stage? Was it more... Uh, Isn't that sort of problematic to phrase it that way? Well, finish your question. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm saying like, so was it more like, just because they were closer to the, to like the source, right? Well, I mean, it's like, you know, defining, okay, figuring out what is Islamic law, 
right? And then from there, what are all these categories in Islamic law? Fard, Sunnah, Nafal, yeah, right? Yeah. Haram, Halal, right? Haram, uh, haram has been there, that's in the Quran, right? But levels of haramness, levels of makruness, um, levels of sunnah, that all gets mm -hmm. formed and developed in those few centuries, right? So it's kind of like, think about how when we think of Islam, what we think of was formed in a particular period of time, right? At the time of the Prophet, peace be upon him, the terminology is there, but it's not formed into this whole structure until until yeah. a little bit later. Yeah. yeah, I guess what's interesting to me, and, sorry, no. uh, is that like so much of how we uh, define, I don't want to say something like define or live Islam, but at least in my experience, like people, the vocabulary we use, it's so tied into how we structured it. Mm -hmm. And so it's always interesting to me to think like, well, there's been centuries, not just mm -hmm. years, centuries where like it wasn't structured like that. Mm -hmm. And so... Then what is Islam? Mm -hmm. Don't know. <laughs> so, you're, you're, uh... Yeah, I'm just trying to think, like, because I, I find it sort of problematic, I guess, he's making this description that, you know, at some point it became Islam. I don't, and not to say, like, it's problematic. I think I agree with Adnan that obviously a lot of what we have today was nowhere near um, that stage or at that level back then, right, in those formative... Mm -hmm. Uh, formative eras or whatever formative time periods and I think that definitely was a sort of formative I guess time period in, in terms of certain uh, standards and certain terminologies or whatever coming together but I just I don't know like making that description is I don't know I just find it problematic because like what is before it then like you know what I'm saying is well it like, think about it from this perspective uh, can you imagine people talking about Islam today without Bukhari and Muslim yeah. mm. right but Bukhari and Muslim, when did they when did they get collected? Two hundred fifty years or so after the Prophet peace be upon him. So imagine you're around a hundred years after the Prophet peace be upon him. Um, there's no Bukhari or Muslim. I I don't know. I get that. Mm -hmm. I I understand that. It's just I don't know. I'm just having <laughs> like like calling calling I don't know calling something at some level like mm -hmm. I don't know capitalized Islam is is just I don't know. Maybe I'm just like lost in in the words he's using. Sure. Well, um, I think that's that's sort of symptom symptomatic. What I'm trying to say is that like so much of what we call or the our relationship to Islam is about how we see it structured. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. And so when we remove the structure and say, well, no, no, this structure of what you're calling Islam came at this point mm -hmm. that we can see in history. Mm -hmm. It makes us uneasy because we're like, wait. No, are you no, not that's not that's not no 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 like I yeah. that's not that's not I don't think no no not, I'm not like I'm that what's we're not saying you're weak in faith. No, like, calm down. You're I'm joking. I'm, <laughs> like I'm trying to get her like explain this right, and you're just like. Joking about it. Um, I like for me Shaitan's, the problem. Shaitan's out. Yeah. He's been re he's been released. No, the, for yeah. me like the problem him, uh, isn't so much. Uh, wait, what? Um, isn't so much like the removal of some structures and sort of the addition of some older ones. I don't like. I don't. I think. Dang man, I don't know how to phrase this. Yeah. I think. Like. The people then were sort of, I guess, forming it or whatever it was, that that what we consider now, according to the lens of this book, was different, right? Uh -huh. They considered themselves like capital Islam, yes. too. And maybe they didn't consider themselves being the formative people, sure. is what I'm saying. Yeah. I'd say that's So why can't we just, like, 
why can't we just project that back? Is what, what I'm saying. What does that mean? You're you know, like stuck in the middle. I don't think we're projecting anything back. No, I think that's what he's doing, right? He's he's making this dis- distinction, and I don't like I. I don't but know. what does that mean, projecting back here? Like. Like he's saying. I think if you talk to those people in the the stage he's calling formative, they wouldn't say that. Like you know about themselves sure. per se. Right. They wouldn't mm-hmm. say we're the form. They were. They would say this is Islam. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. But I think that's his point. What that's is, the author's point. But right? what is that? What is that point? That it, it's not like you're you're not so like what one person is calling Islam might be different than what a different person is mm-hmm. calling Islam. So we're trying to say what it in terms of like the historical and human phenomenon. What is Islam? Mm-hmm. Because at one point in history. This became Islam, but at that point in history, Islam might have been something else. Even though maybe I get what you're saying in terms of like, you know, all we did maybe if you're saying, uh, or maybe we would say all we did was give things that were already being done a vocabulary yeah. and names. We just yeah. gave it labels, right? Mm-hmm. But in terms of the practice, it so was think think of the formative the period as uh, uh, adding a structure to all this, right? Um, if we define Islam as La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah, yeah, that's always been Islam, right? If we define Islam as you have to pray, it's probably fair to say that that's always been Islam. Okay? But if we define it as this is fard, this is sunnah mu'akkada, this is sunnah ghair mu'akkada, this is nafal, mm-hmm. that's later. No, I, I get that. I just, I don't know, man. I also feel like going off of what Nan said, isn't he kind of doing the same thing, though? Like, that he's saying, like, Muslims say this is a, but isn't he kind of like, I don't know. I just yeah, feel like, you gotta finish your sentence. Like, is any kind of like labeling Islam a certain type of way that that might be? I don't know. I feel well, like he's raising the question. He's raising the question that all right, uh, it's one thing if these things didn't contradict each other, but they actually contradict each other, and um, yet they both claim to be Islam. So, what is it that makes them both Islam? If something makes them both Islam, from a mm. uh, from a you know, uh, Akhira perspective, uh, I think many would say that, okay, that all that alcohol stuff is not going to be accepted. Right? Yeah. But he's saying he's not addressing that. The people who are making these, these alcohol jugs yeah. are putting religious writing on it. Right? Yeah. Maybe they're doing it to compensate for the haramness of it, or maybe yeah. they thought this is piety, right? Which is completely foreign for our thinking. Let me holler at that. Oh my god. I don't know, maybe I'm just having a hard time sort of thinking about it in the frame he's thinking about it, I guess, from more of a social, cultural perspective. You don't think he's pushing it back far enough? No, no, I don't, it's not that I don't think he's pushing back far enough per se, I just, I don't know if I, I don't know man, I I guess I'm like, the more I think about it, the more I'm losing what, what I, what I'm, sort of trying to get at um I don't know okay yeah I think I some part of me feels like he's sort of doing sort of a similar thing he's sort of saying certain Muslims do in the sense of like he's presenting in Islam you know I don't know like I think by by defining it this way by saying okay this is the formative era and this is the era where like you know all this but formative is is a very common um um, designation for that period of time. You'll find that. Uh, so the equivalent in our tradition would be this is the mutaqaddimin, 
the early scholars, and yeah. with the Akhirin would be the later scholars. Yeah. So the it's not just him. The later scholars are the formative ones? No, the earlier scholars are the formative ones. Okay. Yeah. So mm. that part, um, I think, is very consistent with what we find across, you know, Muslim commentary on Muslim history. Mm. Yeah. I guess I'll have to think about it more. Okay, inshallah. Yeah, sorry. So we'll stop right here on this paragraph that begins, the Balkans to Bengal complex constitutes, what page is that? Uh, 75. 75. Should I move the book yeah, there? Yeah. Okay. All right. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika nashhadu illa ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka natubi ilayk. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika nashhadu illa ilaha ill